When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mashazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's episode of The Greatness Machine. Man, I just had a really insightful, amazing conversation with Jeff Henderson. Really cool. He has got a new book, What to Do Next, that we talked about. We talked about his first book, The Four Book. Um, and so we just really interesting guy. Talked about really how do you build organizations, uh, leveraging purpose. Uh, so very cool uh, talking about his first book. Second book, though, that we really dove into, if, you're, if you or someone you know is looking to what do you want to do next in your career, in your life, the What to Do Next book really walks you through step by step. How do we do this professionally and personally in our lives? So had a great conversation with them. Hope you enjoy it. Stay tuned. Guys, welcome to today's episode of The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazi, and boy, do we have a special guest. My friend, Jeff Henderson, is in the house. Jeff, welcome to the show. Darius, so good to see you. Happy New Year. Um, All that fun stuff. Good to see you, buddy. Yeah, great to see you, man. Happy New Year right back at you. Um, So for listeners who are new to the show, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. People are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world. And my friend Jeff here is neither short of passion nor greatness. So excited to have him here. We um, actually... I got connected through the John C. Maxwell organization. Um, we were been we had Tim Elmore on the show uh, a couple months ago. Great show with him, and uh, I was super excited to just get more folks from from John's organization over just to talk about some of the cool things you're working on. And you know um, what I love about that organization is it's, it's a leadership organization, and it really just is the best in class as far as the people that John's working with. And uh, Jeff, you're, you're, you're definitely uh, not shy in that department. So uh, super pumped to have you here. Um, if you don't mind, do you mind if I just kind of give a little bit about your formal bio and background, and then uh, we'll jump into maybe a little bit of a, how you got to where you got to. Is that yeah, that, you? Sounds, that sounds great, Darius. Thanks. So Jeff is the uh, author of a couple of books. His first book, Know What You're For, uh, best-selling book, amazing book, uh, led to the next book that we're going to be talking about today. It's What to Do Next Book, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's what do we do when we're making those transitions in life and, and moving on to what's next. So super excited to talk about the book came out uh, late summer. Uh, but you know, you're an entrepreneur, speaker, pastor and business leader. Uh, you're running the four company. It's a consulting and speaking organization. We're talking about the book that and how it's affecting all these people's lives. I was really interested to see that you, you your, your deep background comes from Chick-fil-A. You're in the marketing department over at Chick-fil-A. Um, but you, it looks like, man, you've just done a ton of cool stuff. Uh, love to learn more about the North Point online. You, you know, you reaches over 200,000 people. You helped launch that. And, and then most importantly, we're going to be talking about the new book, What to Do Next. So, um, Jeff, welcome to the show, man. I'd love, love to hear more about, you know, take us back. Tell us a little bit of the origin story. Take us to where you started and how you came to where you're at right now. And then love to talk more about the book as well. Sure. Well, again, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be here. And I, I think, you know, you, you, you have this story. I, I'd certainly have this story. We'll have, and I think most people have this story when you're talking about a career, there 
are some transitions, some, some, oh, there was this time back five years ago when this happened. So there are moments, just like any movie, there are moments and transitions. And what makes a good movie are good transitions. And really what makes a good life is making the transitions in life as best as you possibly can. But how do you figure it out? What do you, what do you do next? And so when I made this latest transition, I had a lot of younger people. And uh, that's a lot of people now because I'm uh, on the backside of 50 say, hey, how did you figure this out? How did you make this transition? And again, as you and I were talking before we hit the record button, we uh, many people are saying that we're in the great resignation now. That people are leaving their jobs, but they're. I think maybe a byproduct of COVID was people said, you know, I, life is short. I need to go do something that I really want to do, but how do I figure that out? So that's really my background. I'm a preacher's kid, so I promised myself I would never work at a church. So I developed an interest in marketing and sports marketing. And uh, my first sports marketing job was actually in the promotions department of the Atlanta Braves and loved that. And that really developed an interest in, in marketing and advertising for me. I uh, worked for a couple of companies in the Atlanta area, Lake Lanier Islands and Callaway Gardens, which are very well known, at least in Atlanta, as, a, as great resort properties, hotel vacation properties. And while I was there, I developed a connection with Chick-fil-A. And then through that, um, jumped on board with them. And that was in the launch of the cow campaign, the eat more chicken campaign, if people are familiar with that. And uh, I managed all of Chick-fil-A's regional marketing, which is primarily sports marketing and beverage marketing. But while we were there, we were attending a church in the Atlanta area, North Point Community Church, and just really fell in love with the mission of that church. And so long, long story short, I left Chick-fil-A. No one ever leaves Chick-fil-A, Darius, but uh, only crazy people like me. And long story short, ended up launching three churches over the last 17 years in uh, in Atlanta. And while we were at our the other two churches, Gwinnett Church, we launched. And it's a northern suburb of Atlanta. We launched something called For Gwinnett, which was ultimately what the the book was based on. And I just looked up one day and I started getting t-shirts in the mail and coffee mugs in the mail from other churches and other organizations that were doing what we were doing. And ultimately, long story short, again, that led to this current season of going, you know, I've got a lot of opportunities to serve a broader collection of churches and nonprofits and businesses. I think it may be time for me to, to venture out and do that. So in the process of all that, as I mentioned earlier, I had some people come up and say, hey, how did you figure that out? And what were some principles and strategies you you figured out to figure out what to do next? And so that really led to this second book, which um, has been so encouraging. We're early, still early on, but it's been so encouraging to see the hear the feedback that we're getting. Because I put, put my cell phone in the book. And so I get a text today from readers going, hey, I, I left my job, but here's how it's going. And I left well and all this. So that's really the that's a little of my background, but that's kind of the background of the book as well. So going to you know the first book, Know What You're For, for, for readers that did not read that book, high level, is that around purpose? What, what's kind of the, the nexus of what, what, what drove you to write that book? I'd love to hear a little bit around the thoughts on what, what motivated you to write the book. What, what, did, what did readers get out of it that kind of led to this what's next, what to do next book? It's about purpose, but it's about the purpose of an organization, whether it's a business, a, a nonprofit. And the, it's really based on two questions, because I was telling a mentor of mine years ago, hey, I was really blessed. I worked on the front lines at Chick-fil-A, uh, and, and it's a multi-billion dollar company who experienced meteoric growth. They have had same store sales growth every year for the last 50 years, which is unheard of. At the same time, when I left Chick-fil-A, I was on the front lines of a nonprofit, North Point Ministries, that also experienced meteoric growth. And I just told my mentor, I'm just very blessed. I've worked with both organizations. And he pushed back a little bit and he said, well, you're blessed, yes, but you have a stewardship responsibility to tell the rest of us, what did you learn about what caused that growth? And if you could write it down in a short book and give it to us, that'd be even better. So the more I thought about it, it really came down to two questions. And these were the two questions that we really built the Four Gwinnett campaign around that so many organizations are using now. And it's just two questions. And I really do believe these are simple questions, but I've seen if you have the answers to these questions or you work toward the answers to these questions, you'll grow your business or organization because these questions are built on a principle. And that principle is a business is no longer what it tells customers. It is a business is what customers tell other customers. It is. It's mm -hmm. the old positive word of mouth advertising and I'm all for paid advertising and that's great. But 
I lack credibility telling you that I have the best hot dog stand in town if I'm the owner of Jeff's hot dog. So what you have to do, Darius, is go on Yelp to see what the customers are actually saying. Is this hot dog that good? Those people have the credibility. So the so what I need to do as a leader is to create vision carriers, people that can understand my purpose and mission, and I deliver it to them so that they can take that vision and carry it to the people that they can influence. The more vision carriers you have, the more vision casters you have in an organization. And again, it comes down to two questions. Number one, what do you want to be known for? What's your unique niche? You know, Steve Jobs would say, what's your dent in the universe? What do you want to be known for? And there's a lot of assumptions that organizations are clear about that. And I, when I work with organizations, they begin to discover that there's some confusion in the office space. And if there's confusion in the office space about what you want to be known for, there will be confusion in the marketplace about what you want to be known for. So that's question number one. So there's, you know, we, it's a, it's a, you know, deeper than that, but that's the simplicity of that question. Question number two is, what are you known for? What are you known for? And that's the customer's opportunity to reflect back to you and me on whether we are delivering on what we want to be known for, our brand promise, our purpose statement, if you will, in question number one. And here's the power of those two questions. And this is one of the reasons I left to do what I was doing as a pastor to go share this with businesses, because I really do believe in today's world, purpose and profit travel together. The more purpose you have, the more profit you'll have. And the more profit you have, the more purpose that you can find. But what do you want to be known for? And what are you known for? When the answers to those two questions match, when what you want to be known for is what you're known for, you leverage the greatest form of marketing there is that's positive word of mouth advertising because your unique vision, your you, your compelling product, your great purpose connects with the hearts of customers and they tell others about you. So as a pastor that launched, helped launch three churches, if you, you were to tell me, hey, we'll give you $50,000 for advertising or we'll give you 50 people to tell their people and their friends about your church and what you're trying to do, you can't have both which will you choose? I'll take those 50 people every single time because it's not 50 people. It's 50 times how many people they can influence mm. and their voice just has more credibility. So I teach about all that in the book, but how do you, because in any organization, there's a gap, there's a gap between what you want to be known for and what you are known for. And you have to come to work every day to shrink that gap. And I talk about the four ways to do that. So that was know what you're for. And um, I'm excited to be able to, in Speaking of John Maxwell, he's really the, the 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 hero and the role model for me in this because he can just bounce between all these different fields. He can go to a church and speak, he can go to a business and speak, he can go to governments and speak, he can go to businesses, nonprofits, schools, educations. And so that's what I'm kind of trying to, to do with this message is that I think this is a universal message to get out there. So that was the first book, which really prompted me to the next season of life. I love that. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, like Listeners who are, you know, maybe not religious will, will, will say, well, what's this have to do with me? And, and, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, look, like organizations is a group of people coming together to accomplish something, right? And it doesn't matter if it's a nonprofit, for-profit, church, non-church, you know, it, it's a group of people trying to come together to accomplish something. And the accomplishment might be different. Maybe in a nonprofit, it's to, you know, support a cause in the church it's to you know grow the ministry and grow the grow the the organization uh followers that you know are part of that church and for a business is to try to grow a client base but to your point you know how do you do that the most effectively and i love what you're getting at you're talking to someone i'm a i'm about as core purpose core i wrote a book called the core the core value equation which is about how do you create a core value driven organization mm -hmm. um and i got introduced to all this stuff what you're talking about, I got introduced directly to what some people will call your why through Simon Sinek. Actually, yeah. I met Simon Sinek in 2009 before anyone knew who he was and had a hot dog with him at an event, you know, and hung out with him for nine hours. Literally, it was nobody knew who he was at the time. But, you know, I started getting introduced to this idea of of your purpose. What's your why? Why should someone care what you're what you're all about? Right. So I love where you're going with that. And I actually I'm excited to check out the book because I think like having actionable steps to bridge that gap between what you want to be known for and what you are known for 
that's where the rubber meets the road. Because I could say, oh, I, my purpose is to do X. But if nobody knows about it and no one actually thinks I'm known for that, then mm-hmm. to your point, like, are you really known for that? You're not, right? right. Um, so that then that's, that's not going to create the outcome you want. So when you think of the church where you did that, you said Gwinnett was the name of that church? Were you guys kind right. of— Gwinnett is named after a county in, in, uh, in Georgia. It'll be the largest county in, in Georgia in, in a few years. And— um, so we launched, and I grew up there. So we launched a, a church there in Gwinnett Church in uh, Gwinnett County, and and that's when we we just started with those questions. and And I will say this back to your earlier comment. I totally like for our business leaders today, they would say, "Yeah, I, I don't really believe in God." Totally understand that. It's interesting when I left the business world, I thought that's a really weird career move, and maybe it was a weird weird career move for some people. But when I got into the role, I'm there with our staff and volunteers. Here's what I thought. I thought. It's the same thing. Same. It's, it's it's the it's people that has the same. They have the same issues. They need vision. They need strategy. We need strategy, and they need to be led well because everybody deserves to be led well, like John Maxwell says. So it's not. It was not that different. I mean, yeah, you're, there's the product, if you will, is different, but it really comes back down to everything rises and falls on leadership, as, as, as John says, and so. But when we launched that at Gwinnett, we, you know, we bought a piece of property out here and we put a sign out there and they said, hey, you can say, you know, Gwinnett Church coming soon. And I didn't want to do that. Um, I just wanted to put a sign out there that said hashtag for Gwinnett. Mm. And I got some feedback from people going, hey, how are they going to know that's a church that's being built? And my response was, exactly. They're not. They're going to have to figure it out. We, there's a little there's mystery that's it's, it's involved in, in marketing and advertising that I think is important and often is overlooked and clarity is important. And I'm all for clarity, but early on I wanted people to ask the question because that would prompt people to ask our core group that was helping launch this church. And I gave them t-shirts and I said, Hey, I want, I want you to wear these t-shirts. And all they say is for Gwinnett. They don't have the church's website. They don't have anything. It's just, and people are going to ask you, what is that building being built up there? Because your church says for Gwinnett, that, Sign says for going out. What is that? And in that moment, that's what I, I, I call leadership language. Uh, the language of a of an organization is really, really important. And so, what do you want people to say in that moment when they're talking about your organization? And it can't be a seventeen paragraph mission statement that we came up with on a retreat seven years ago that's in a filing cabinet that nobody can remember or recite. It's just a few words. And so for us, we gave them this language. Well, the reason it's, it says for going out, it's a church. Well, why does it say that? And it's a church. Well, many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than the, what the church is for. We want to be known for what we're for and we're for Gwinnett. And Darius, those conversations exploded our church. Um, because again, that's leadership language. It's being really clear about what you want to be known for. And, um, and when people understand that and buy into it, then you create vision carriers who will wear t-shirts into grocery stores and restaurants and ballparks. So that's, that was kind of the genesis behind for Gwinnett. Oh man. I love that. Like you and I literally wrote, uh, like wrote the same book. <laughs> my, my was about how you make core, core values, the language of accountability in your organization and it's a, some of the same principles. It's they got to be short. It's got to be memorable. It's got to resonate. It's a, 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 it, you, you you came from a different angle, but but yeah, it's, it makes a lot of sense. And when you do that, you build something where people are a part of something greater than themselves, right? We all want to do that. We all strive for that. We are wired to be part of a you know tribe to, to, to so that we live, right? This is just wired in our DNA. So so it's genetics that are saying, hey, you got to live, man. So you, you got to you need a group of people that are going to make sure that you survive the night when the saber tooth tiger comes around. So I would say, I mean, we're wired for, for this stuff. But to your point, organizations go out, they're really tactical. I love the idea that, you know, using the church is such a great example because, you know, it's easy for me to use a business as an example, but it's like, well, what's that building over there, right? Oh, come, it's our new church. It's like, all right, whatever. When it opens, maybe I'll go check it out if, if that's mm-hmm. of my liking. To your point, I have a friend, a former guest on the show, who's uh, there's a company out of California called Liquid Death, which is a famous oh, yeah. water. They're a water company right now. They're, they're killing I- it. 21-year-old son drinks that all the time. I didn't know about it until he brought it in. I thought, what in the world are you drinking? Water in a can that looks like beer. Uh, yes. 
but you know, and and but they are you you you'll appreciate this given your marketing background. They're founded by a bunch of ad agency guys. Like the CEO was in the ad was Madison Avenue guy who's a really really good marketer. And, but he they do the same thing. He's they're all about how do you create questions in the mi- minds of the of the folks to align with what you're trying to do, but mm-hmm. make it interesting. Get them to ask a question about the product. Don't just like come and tell them what it is and look that you can't be superficial about that right it's got to level up to something bigger which in, in your to your point right for what the let's using the church's example what is the what is the church for right not what mm-hmm. is it against it's going in that positive bigger picture perspective so i love that man that's 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 really cool that you were able to apply that in this in this interesting way sounds like you know, it went uh, for two things. Number one, it sounds like the church, to what you just said, exploded. Uh, when, when, like, really, like, when, what, what does that mean? And I'm not, and I, and you're talking to a guy that's not super religious. I, don't, you know, I'm, I wasn't brought up religious. I'm, I don't know that world too well. What, what does that mean? Does that mean like you guys had just a huge number of people join the church in a very short period of time? Like, mm-hmm. define that for us. Sure. Well, our opening Sunday, we had we closed down the the road outside the church. So please close close it down. Basically, you know, it's kind of like Disney World saying, "I'm sorry, we're full." You know, okay. so um, from a marketing standpoint, I love that. You know, I didn't like that saying, "Hey, we're full." Um, but we so we were able to grow two churches, and so at the at the other location, we had around three thousand, if you included kids in there as well. Uh, and then we opened the second one up with around two thousand families, and um, and so and then. Um, with the online presence. And then, um, and so those two churches now are, are continuing to go. But what happened was, is people started to see the, the growth. Um, and, and that's when I started getting all these t-shirts and coffee mugs in the mail, like, Hey, we're using this too for Pittsburgh and for, uh, Charlotte and, and for the Valley out in California and even for Dubai, a church out there in Dubai is using it. And then, which was really probably, uh, so exciting for me is the Braves, um, two seasons ago launched for the, uh, for the, for the A meaning for the city of Atlanta Mm. and, uh, and they played the Houston Astros in the World Series, Darius, and Houston did for the H. So it was for the H versus for the A. And uh, the, the Braves won, which I'm an Atlanta Braves fan, so the good guys won. But that was really fun to see that. But And it's been fun to see them stay on message. You know, you men- mentioned Sinek Cynic. I, I loved, you know, start with why. And I think that's true. I think a lot of organizations start with why, but maybe the more difficult thing is to stay with why. Right, and we have to stay on message. And once you are clear about what you want to be known for, for the H or for the Valley or for Pittsburgh, then you got to stay on message, and you have to say it over and over and over again. And sometimes I think as leaders we get bored with our own language. And you, now you you need to make it fresh. That's true, but once you get really clear about what you want to be known for, now you need to put the message on repeat because leaders are repeaters or at least they should be. So, um, so in terms of growth, that's what we, not just at our church, but we saw it really expand literally around the world. And so that was really fun to see. Yeah. I love that. It, it, it's, um, I always joke when I'm uh, coaching communication with CEOs and leaders, I say, you'll know you've made your point like, like, well, when you, people make fun of you for what you say, right. When they're repeating you, but in jest, Right. That's how I know they've learned. Right. Mm-hmm. When, when, when I'm, when I'm, when they're kind of joking about the thing I always say, you know, so well, I, 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 uh, an example of that was, you know, I, I, one of the principles I talk about in the book is equip the vision carriers, meaning give them t-shirts, you know, just all the stuff. And uh, someone gave me a quilt one time with all the four Gwinnett t-shirts. I'm like, okay, I think we're, we're, we're making some headway here if they have enough t-shirts to put on a quilt. So <laughs> you'll, you'll look over my shoulder. There's a pink unicorn head that, that was and the below. That's the pink unicorn t-shirt. That was our mascot for my company. And, Love it. and my team called themselves pink unicorns. So I had a thousand people running around in pink unicorn gar, uh, gear, you know, all about, and, and the, it was a symbol of what our company's, for was which was we were for growing happiness so it was about creating more happiness with our clients within the organization but you're like i said you're preaching to the choir here man like i'm a huge believer in everything you're saying you have to i think give people these a, an ability to promote what you're trying to promote 
how you're trying to promote it. And and I absolutely I, and it's it's like it's it's really easy. I think people get it when and I always use the example. I go, hey, look, if you're a football fan on Sunday, you wear your team's uniform, like you wear your team's gear. Like, why can't your organization just be another version of that? You have to be thoughtful about it. You got to make it cool and interesting, or else no one's going to wear some boring logo on their shirt. That right. why would you? If your sports team did that, you wouldn't do it. Um, but if you make it interesting, you make it special, you make it resonate. It has to be aligned, and you and it, to your point, you stay on message, and you and then before you know it, you create this this following, right, of people that are out there, vision carriers, as you call them. And I love that. I love that because uh, I think, like, that says it best. If I want my vision to get out in the world, I got to create this loyal fan base of people who are out there doing it. So mm-hmm. super cool stuff. So what I understand is, is basically you created this this thing that, that took off. Um, that that led you to want to take it to the private sector. Is that really what, what the What to Do Next book came out of that? Tell us a little bit about that. So, well, when the first book came out, I, I was really, one of the things I talk about in the second book is creating side hustles. And I just think that's important because, you know, you just, you're always out there learning. And so one of the side hustles I had was I, when the first book came out, I created something called a business breakfast and I would go to churches that were actually doing the four message. Like I went to the church in Pittsburgh that was doing for Pittsburgh, but I did a business breakfast and it had nothing to do with church. It was just hosted by the church. And we would talk about, I would give the business case for what we just talked about with know what you're for. And part of that Darius was for me to see if this message was really going to resonate beyond Atlanta. It's one thing for you know me to be in Atlanta, my hometown it's, you know, church is doing really well for Gwinnett, but okay, will this not only resonate with churches, but will it resonate with business leaders? And so I did, I think, 40 cities of a business breakfast tour wow. and everywhere from Charlotte to San Francisco to Elkhorn, Nebraska to Orlando, people said, hey, can you come speak to our organization or business or can you, you know, in fact, I just had a call with a company I'm going to speak to next week. And that's where they saw me. And I remember, I think it was in Elkhorn, Nebraska, that that church does for Elkhorn, that uh, was sold out. And I remember calling my wife, Wendy, and saying, I think I've figured out what we're supposed to do next. And it wasn't this leap into the, you know, the Grand Canyon of, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to do this. But there was enough data, if you will, to know, okay, I think I need to take this message and, and, and go with it. But in the process of doing that and figuring out this decision, I was unknowingly writing the second book of what to do next. And um, because again, we helped start um, those churches. We love, we hired the people. We love the people. They were great friends and great coworkers. So there's a, you know, there's in, by the way, we left during the middle of a global pandemic, which I wouldn't necessarily uh, recommend. And I was in my mid fifties. So there are all these reasons why I should not have done this. But another mentor of mine said this, he said, Jeff, the older we get, the more risks we should take, but it actually is the opposite. The older people get, the less risk they take. And what mm-hmm. happens is, is they start getting old. And he said, don't let the old man win. Now that's not a plea to make stupid, rash decisions and throw caution to the wind. But it's also a plea, though, to not let fear have the final say. And, you know, the reason people, when they get my age, they, they stop making, you know, some, some risky decisions, if you will, is there's a lot more to lose, right? And there's a lot, like I mentioned, I have a 21-year-old drinking liquid death here in our house. I got to pay for one more year of his college education. So there's all those financial realities. And I talk about that in the book as well. But if... If you'll work toward positioning yourself to give yourself options, when you get to be later on in life, you can take more risks, if you will. And one of the questions I've gotten when I've released the book is, hey, how do you eliminate risk? And, I'm, and I, my response is, you cannot eliminate risk. I, that's just not the world in which I live. But you can shrink it so that you don't have to make a career decision. And it's this leap over the Grand Canyon, but it can be a leap over a mud puddle. 
Yes, you might fall down, get wet and muddy, but you're not going to plunge thousands of feet below. So you can do some things that can help manage the risk, but at some point you're going to have to take the leap, just like you did when you walked away from your company. You had to take the leap. And the, the other thing that, help, that, that hinders us from doing this, Darius, is we know the question is coming. And the question is, oh, hey, Darius, good to see you. So what do you do now? And if, you know, we feel like we have to have this really magical answer to this. And when I left Gwinnett Church, I really didn't have a clear answer to it. You know, it was, well, I wrote this book, know what you're for. It's based on two questions and I've done 40 business. I mean, it was like, as I'm having this answer, I'm thinking, what am I doing? I'm making this up as I go along. (laughs) But I've gotten more comfortable with making things up as I go along. So, so, well, I mean, it sounds like you're, you know, you probably have a higher, and, and look, I think I have a friend and former guest on the show, Gino Wickman, that wrote the book, uh, Traction. And he, he wrote another oh, yes. book called the, Taking the Entrepreneurial Leap. And, and you know, he, I think it's the 6% of all people are meant to be entrepreneurs. It's a pretty small number. Um, so, but it sounds like you're more of an entrepreneurial guy. You know, you more, probably more of a risk taker. I mean, obviously you took the leap from going from private sector, you know, to these big organizations to, you know, the nonprofit world of church world back into private sector, kind of straddling both those fences. Um, what do you, like, what, you know, what are maybe one of those, what, what's probably the biggest step you can take to mitigate risk? Is it testing your ideas, like the side hustle thing that you were talking about? What would be your number one recommendation for someone that, you know, is afraid to take the leap, which I think obviously you got to be calculated about how you do it, but at some point you got to pull the trigger, but what's some, what's like, what's one of the first steps or more, maybe more effective steps do you think to trying to assess an idea before you actually pull the trigger on it? Hmm. Well, first, as it relates to your career, that's why we created a, a free assessment called the career risk assessment. And it's just on my website, jeffhenderson.com. It's totally free. You get a red light, yellow light, or green light. If you get a red light, that doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means, whoa, 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 pause. You, you got some work to do and it gives some practical steps to get you to the yellow light and then from some practical steps to get you to the green light. And if you get a green light, that doesn't mean that you have to leave. I got a text just a few days ago from a guy, a, re- a reader who said, hey, I got a green light. Does that mean I have to leave? No. But hey, congratulations. You've done the work to manage the risk so that if you do go and do this and you find out a few months later, this this isn't really working out. You've given yourself some options. And one of the things I write in the book is to create optimal options. And one of the things that you can do is to get as financially free as you possibly can. An example of that is when I left Chick-fil-A to help uh, launch a church, that was a massive financial hit that, that my wife and my family took. But we had done the hard work to get our finances in a place that we were, we, we were able to pursue that even though it had a, a financial price tag to it. One of the things that breaks my heart is to see people finally figure out what they want to do in life, but they can't go for it because they're handcuffed financially. So if, if especially if you're in your 20s or 30s, one of the best gifts that you can give yourself, your family, the people in your life is to try to get financially free. How do you define financially free? That's a whole other topic for another time. But that's an optimal option. That's an optimal option. The other thing is to explore what you're good at. And that's why I tell folks in their 20s, hey, just go. You're not supposed to know what you're supposed to do for the rest of your life. I mean, maybe some people in their 20s do, but I think we do people in their 20s a disservice when, especially when they go to college, when you hand them a piece of paper and say, hey, here's all the list of things. Check one box and tell us what you want to do for the rest of your life. I don't think they know. I think instead we should hand them a piece of paper to go, hey, what do you think your strengths are? What do you think you're good at? Who do you know? Um, and let's figure out over the next you know, few years what that journey is going to take you on. The, the other really, really important strategy is to build your personal network. We all know this. We all know that f- far too often who you know is more important than what you know. And I think we sometimes wish we didn't live in that world, but I, I think we do. And um, I remember one time my daughter was interviewing with a church for a job and she said, dad, I don't want you to call them. And I'm like, okay, babe, I get that. 
But can I tell you how the real world works out there? The real world works if you know somebody that can place a call, that'll, that'll, that'll help you. And I love the fact that she was wanting to do this on her own. So that's awesome. That's amazing. And she's amazing. But the point is, is how, who, who can you call to build your personal network? In fact, I put in the book, the best networking question is one that I was taught by John Maxwell. And that is to take someone to coffee or lunch or whatever, bring them a gift. Maybe it's a book or something. Um, ask them about their story. Hey, how did you get where you are? Tell me about your story. What, what, how did you get to where you are and what happened? And tell me the twists and turns of your career. And then get to the end of the conversation and say, hey, who do you know that I need to know? And will you contact them on my behalf? And that simple question can build your network. And there may be a listener today, Darius, that says, hey, I don't, I don't, I'm not looking to leave. I don't, I don't need to build my network. I'm telling you, building your network is like having life insurance. When you need it, you're going to be glad that you, you, know, you, you left that or you have that. And so um, one of the best things that you can do is start building your network. And you know, sometimes when it comes to next, Darius, we don't happen to next. Sometimes next happens to us. There's a new boss. You get called into the office. Hey, we're downsizing. Hey, we're going to go in another direction. And so now suddenly you got to figure this out. And so when, when that happens, people have asked me, well, what's the first thing that do I, that I need to do? Do I need to update my resume? No, that's important, but it's not the first thing you need to do. Do I need to post on LinkedIn that I'm now available? That's important, but that's not the first thing you need to do. The first thing you need to do is pick up your phone, go to your contact list and start making the top 10 list of people that you're going to call and ask if you will meet with them. You've got to do that personal networking. But here's the trick. If you can do that when you don't need a job, that's more and more powerful. And that's one of the best gifts that you can give yourself, because in those seasons, the better network you have, the less risk you're going to have. Hmm. Yeah, no, man, I love that. Like what uh, there's a saying in life, which is your network is your net worth, right? Yep. And so this really plays on that. And, you know, I saw that even for myself, like, you know, I left, we was talking to you before the show and listeners know this, I talk about it sometimes, you know, I left my business. I didn't have a plan. Now I had some of the things you talked about. I, I, but I was a guy that started, you know, really thinking about making money at a young age. So I had reserves and stuff like that to buy myself optionality. Um, but the other thing I'd done, which you just touched on, like the, the, just speaking for my own behalf, is I spent 20 years building relationships, you know, and I leaned on those. That was the most I'd ever leaned on my my relationships was when I left my business. And a lot of it was just because I was uncomfortable and I needed <laughs> I needed some moral support, you know. And But I, I really think that that's, you know, people want to help their friends. You know, I think that that's just like we're wired to want to do it. We're social animals. And to your point, like that's an investment. That's an intangible. You got to spend a lot of time building those relationships and people want to make those introductions. So I, I think like you're you're making such great points. The other, the other thing that, that I was thinking about was me being on the other end of this. I'm, I, I come from the mortgage lending space and mortgage lending space has just gotten just the tar beat out of them over the last 12 months because of the interest rate move. And um, now... I had a lot of employees in the space and I built a lot of relationships. And what was funny was all these folks recently, I've been getting, I mean, a lot of them have gotten laid off because the industry's shrunk so much. And I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm supporting your statement by being on the other end of it. Right. I got hit up by at least a dozen people asking if I knew of a job for them. And what's funny is I, I got two of them jobs. Hmm. 10 of them. I didn't do anything for and the and and it was 100% based off of who had poured into the relationship prior to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was 100%. It was the two people I got jobs were people who I liked, who we had built a relationship not because they needed something from me, but because they genuinely wanted to build a relationship with me. And when they got into trouble, I hooked them up. Um mm-hmm. and and I had the ability to do that. Um and and it go kind of goes back to what you said before, which is like you know your relationships kind of your your network is your net worth. I was a very valuable network for these folks, mm-hmm. and at a time of need, and they, and and it's funny because to your point, that life happens to you sometimes, right? 
Now, what if it happens to everyone in your industry at the same time, right? Like, let's say there's a huge industry downturn. That's a bad time to look for a job when everyone else is looking for a job, right? So, Absolutely. Well, to your point, I mean, two years ago, mortgage industry's flying high or, you know, whatever. And so I, I don't have time to build my network or you, I'm not, I'm not ever going to need it. Look at the money I'm making now. And then, you know, turn around and just a matter of moments, you're like, oh gosh, what do I do now? So it does take discipline to do this, but you don't have to spend, you don't, you, you can't spend, you know, five days a week, 40 hours a week building your network, but you can do it one day at a time. You can do it with one coffee and that adds up. If you were to do that once a week, that's 52 new potential contacts you can use with that, that question that John Maxwell gave us. I'm telling, and, and again, you're a perfect example of that, of getting those two people jobs because of the relationship. And so that's in terms of creating optimal options for you with what to do next, building your network is an optimal option because the more people that you know, the more opportunity. I, I, I firmly believe we're two to three to four people away from that next opportunity. You just got to have the right two to three to four people and it takes time to get there. You know, it, it's funny, uh, like, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It, it was f- like w- what I just said a moment ago, I was started thinking about like what were the qualities of those folks outside of even just because most of them ended up not working for me at some point. And I started thinking like how they left the job was they left it on really good terms, right? And 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 I, I'm a big preacher out there of, hey, you, you got to leave on the best way possible. I don't care if you're emotionally upset. You just got to like, when you leave a job, like sometimes emotions are flying high, you got to bite the bullet and try to leave as in good of terms possible. And what I find, especially with less experienced folks is sometimes people leave really badly, you know, and, or they'll like, you know, not be thankful or, you know, whatever. There's always different reasons, but they'll leave a bad taste in the mouth of the person who they're leaving the job. And, and, and I look at that, I go, that's an amateur move because, you want to be able to use those as references for your next jobs, your next opportunities. You want to be able to keep those networks alive. I've rehired people many times over my career. Someone who left, I'm like, yeah, hey, that person left in a good way. And by the way, as an employer, I've been on the side of it where I've had to do layoffs. I always try to lay off in the most beneficial way possible for that person because I want them, if they're good, to want to come back. Right. So I I don't think it's a one way street where if you're the employee, I think the employers have that responsibility too. What are your, you know, I know you talk about this in the book, some strategies around how to leave. Do you mind kind of touching on that? I I think you're exactly right. And I don't think we talk about this enough in leadership circles about leaving well and finishing well. And we think, you know, and I understand this, Hey, I'm going to put in a two week notice. I'm out of here. What are they going to do? Fire me. I mean, what, what are they possibly, what can they do to me now? And I just think that doesn't, not only does a disservice to the people, it really does a disservice to you. So for example, when I left Chick-fil-A, um, I wrote everyone in the marketing department and on the executive leadership team, a handwritten note. And this church that I was launching, it was, you know, it was, there was risky. Will this work? I mean, we didn't even know if it would work. So there was a chance it wouldn't work. And we we're fortunate that it did, but I, I didn't say this in the letter, Darius, but basically it was, Hey, if this church doesn't work, can I come back and work here? Right. <laughs> right. <And> so, <laughs> Um, but I remember a friend of mine saying, Hey, no one has left as well as you did here at Chick-fil-A. And, you know, fast forward 20 years later, it was 20 years ago since I left Chick-fil-A, uh, 20 years ago of this year. Um, I do a lot of work with Chick-fil-A now. And a lot of the people that I quote unquote left are some of my closest friends. And yet I will be in a meeting there tomorrow, um, supporting them on a project that they've asked me to come in on. Well, that's one of the reasons why you don't burn bridges. And, and again, how you leave an organization is one thing. How the organization leaves you is up to is their thing. And so sometimes you can do your very best and the organization does not um, leave you well. And I understand that. And you need to manage that and work through that to the best of your ability. But to the best of your ability, you know, so when, for example, when I left Gwinnett Church, I got our leadership team together and I said, Hey, I got six weeks here. I put in a six week notice here. I work for you now. So here are the projects that I, I'm going to work on in the six weeks. Is this what you want me to work on so that I'll set you up for the future? Cause you're not going to find me playing golf these six weeks. I'm not taking six weeks off. And, um, and they said, yes, that's exactly what we want you to do. I wrote a handwritten note to, 
200 people in the organization. And I sat down and met with every Gwinnett church staff member that wanted to meet with me just to say, thank you. And is there anything, if I can ever do anything for you, let me know. And so I just wanted to honor them and honor the work that they had done working with me and for me. And I just think that's so important. It's taking the high road. It takes time. And many times when you're doing it, you're, you're, you know, you probably think, why, again, why does this matter? Because I'm leaving, but finish well, finish well, because even if you never work with these people again, even if they're not going to give you a job in the future, it's just the honorable thing to do for you. But again, you leave well and you let them leave you how they want to leave you. Oh, I completely agree. The, the other part about that, though, is is you can only control what you can, right? And right. and yeah, maybe you won't work with them again. But when someone asks about you, who they know, who you may know as well, or you're maybe considering, what are they going to say about you if all you did was the right thing? All the, all right. they can say is, is, oh, that person's a great person. I loved working with them, right? Or man, when that guy left, you know, wrote 200 cards. Like, we all got a thank you card from him. What a, what a stand-up person, right? So... I think that it was interesting. You said two week notice. Two weeks notice is five business days times two. Ten business days. <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't know who the hell came up with a two week notice, but like, I was like, that's like what you do if you're like entry level employee, you have minimal responsibility, and it's easy to pass your job over. When I have managers do a two week notice, I'm like, whoa. I'm like, like, what do you think? I'm gonna find someone, interview someone, replace someone. Like yeah. you're leaving me high and dry right now. Like, <laughs> like 30, I, I always tell people like 30 days notice. If you can give someone 30 days notice, you know, like you just out of, just out of like, it, forget about, it. even if you don't like your boss, you're kind of screwing all your coworkers when you leave it two weeks notice. Cause they're all right. going to have to pick up the slack, you know? So yeah, I, I, I really like you're, you're spot on there. It's like leave, leave well, like leave strong. I think that that's the that's the gift that we'll always keep on giving. And and to to your point, if for anyone, do it for yourself so that you know you left with high levels of integrity. So I yeah, love and, that. And man. Well, even if you're the one that's being left, if they're saying, "Hey, we're going to have to downsize," just still take the high road. Now you need to have someone that you can process and vent with, but the people that you work with and your boss, those aren't necessarily the people that you want to vent directly with. So you want to take the high road. And, but I, I love, again, what John Maxwell says. The high road is a toll road, but it's worth the price. Mm, mm, I love that. That's, that's, a, that's my new favorite saying. <laughs> I got I to gotta go uh, hang out with mine, John. A friend of mine that says John talks in plaques. He just says, he says, I don't even put that on a plaque. That's awesome. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of like life with John Maxwell. Amazing. Uh, Jeff, man, we're coming towards the end of the show here. So, um, look, the, the 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 book right now is what's the, the what to do next book. Uh, sounds like it's. I mean, both the books sound amazing, but but that's that's the big one you're out there uh, pushing. Uh, where can people find the book? Where can they connect with you? What are some ways that we can help support what you're doing here on the show with from from our listener base? Sure, thanks for asking, Darius. Yeah, they can go to Amazon or whattodonextbook.com and get it there. It's at barnesandnoble.com or. Um, pretty much where books are sold. And I would love, here's what I would encourage your listeners to do. If you're listening to this and go, I don't really know, you know, if if I'm trying to figure out what to do next, I'm pretty sure that you know someone in your life who's trying to figure out what to do next. When I go speak on this, that's the first question. Hey, how many of you know someone who's trying to figure out what to do next? And everybody raises their hand. I would encourage you to get this book to them as a gift. And then my cell phone's in the book and then have them text me and say, okay, I read the book. Here's a question. What can I, here's where I'm stuck. What can you help me with? So together let's help your friend. So if you're not in the season of what to do next, let's partner together to help the friend of yours that is. And uh, if you'll buy the book, when they text me, I promise to text them back. I love that. Um, So uh, if they want to connect with you, uh, obviously they could buy the book where books are sold, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, what to do next book, dot com is where they is they where they can that's where all things jeff henderson lives or any, anywhere well, else that you would suggest yeah jeff henderson.com might be this that that has the more comprehensive view of the four book and um, what to do next book.com is just about the second book but yeah you can go to jeff henderson.com that's where the free a, a career risk assessment lives and you can see that and take that and then that provides you with some next steps once you figure out whether you're at a red yellow or green light very cool. And I'm, I'm on the site right now. There's a career risk calculator. Can't wait to take that uh, free tool. But yeah, right. listeners, uh, you guys, this is to, to Jeff's point. 
even if not for you, great book for you to give to someone you know. We all know someone that could use this help. Um, man, what a great way to kick off the new year. Jeff, so thankful to have you on the show. Appreciate you Thanks, so much, Larry. my friend. Absolutely. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. And listeners, Happy New Year to you guys. Uh, man, 2023 is here. Uh, share this episode with anyone. Like like we said, either they want to get them the book and you can share it with someone that way, or we know people that are out there looking for what's next. Share, share this podcast because leaders are sharers. We're givers. That's what we do. With that said, much appreciation to all of you. If you love the episode, give us a review. And uh, until next time, peace out. We love you. are listening to the greatness machine and that's a wrap for today listen if you love what you heard subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes we have tons of great people coming on and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us leave us a review tell us what you love most about this particular episode we love getting the reviews we love to see what you guys love most and if this particular episode you know made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life print screen share it with them leaders are the best givers and after all we're all here to support and grow with each other And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love Love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. Uh-huh. She's my lover. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.